Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The NFL season is done, but we're not finished yet. We've got the NFL Scotland American Fit Bra Awards. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We've had awards all season long, but we'll be discussing who gets the belter, Bowfin and Bobag of the Year. We'll also be throwing in some other Scottish slanted awards. Of course, they wouldn't be the same without your input, so we'll be sharing your thoughts on who should win what. And while the NFL season might be done, the XFL season has just begun again. Cameron and I will be going through all the goods and bads from week one. And as ever, we'll wrap up with all the latest news, including a plethora of free agent quarterbacks, and we'll have a double dose of the Jags in London this year. But Paul, we are going to start off with the awards. And normally we chat through some of the stuff that's been going on. Then we come to the thoughts on Twitter. We're going to start with the thoughts on Twitter, though, because I think that is the foundation upon which this podcast is built. Yeah, the awards, and we have to thank absolutely everybody for getting in touch. We get so many folk getting in touch, so many great suggestions as well. So an award for everybody who sent something in to start with. 100% agree with that completely. Every single one of you, a belter to us. But let's go with some of the replies. So we'll kick off with Andy, first of all. His belter of the year, Lamar Jackson. He says no more. He doesn't necessarily need to. Bowfin award for him goes to the Patriots' offense, brackets, sadly. And Bobag, this is going to be a theme, Antonio Brown. Ross Downey, he got in touch. His belter was also Lamar Jackson. His form in the regular season was that good. Bowfin is the Jags for sticking with Marone and Caldwell again. And Bobag, this will no doubt be unanimous, which I think it might be. Antonio Brown. <laughs> Andrew Warnock, his belter is Patrick Mahomes. His bowfin is David Johnson, which I think is mu- as much a fantasy thing as anything. Uh, and his ballbag is Antonio Helmet Boy. Uh, <laughs> so Darren Barry, his belter's Andy Reid. Showed young Shanahan how it's done when it really matters. Bowfin is the Cleveland Browns. Great players, poor coaching, poor execution, massive letdown. And ballbag is Miles Garrett. When fellow pros say he's a liability, then who are we to disagree? Ian got in touch. That's, this, so. that's a fair point, but he yeah. is being reinstated, so we'll, we'll cover that a little bit later, but I fully agree with that. Indeed. Uh, Ian got in touch. Belters, 49ers from second worst to second best in a year. Bowfin, the Browns, so much hype in the offseason, but ultimately flattered to deceive as always. And Bobag is Antonio Brown. No one else even comes close. LJ, he got in touch to say belter is Paddy Mahomes. Only came back from a dislocated knee to go on and win the Lombardi Trophy later in the same season. MVP, Super Bowl MVP and Super Bowl champ all by the age of 24. Go on, Paddy. Now, obviously, MVP not in the same season, but it's a valid point. Bowfin for him. New England Patriots never came close to finding a Gronk-like replacement, failed to get Brady any new targets despite bringing in Brown, Gordon, Thomas and Sunu from Super Bowl champs to shit the bowl champs and long may it continue. (laughs) Brilliant. I should really read these ahead of time so they don't make me laugh halfway through. Um, Bobag for him though, despite Miles Garrett giving it his best effort to out-Bobag Antonio Brown, the wee man certainly sealed the award early doors and spent the rest of the season showing off his ball-bagging skills. Antonio Brown, G-B-B-O-A-T, greatest ball-bag of all time. 
<laughs> the GB boat. The GB boat sounds like something you get on when you're trying to get away from Brexit. Right. Uh, the full 10 yards podcast, they got in touch to say Belter. Christian McCaffrey, historically good season. Joined an elite club for 1,000-1,000. Didn't buckle under a heavy workload. Baufin for him is Jason Garrett. How he managed to get a talented team to 8-8. Eight and eight. Jeff Fisher would be proud. And Bobag for him is Antonio Brown. See his timeline. And Miles Garrett for Helmet Gate. So it's definitely a theme here. Matt McLaughlin, he agrees. Joint between Antonio Brown and Miles Garrett for Bobag. Belter for him is even though they beat my Packers in the NFC Championship game and then lost the Super Bowl, it has to be the 49ers. Transformation from last year is amazing. Bowfin for him though is either the Browns for not living up to the hype or the Bengals for just being shite. Now, a couple of regular contributors here. Polly and Lauren Callahan. So we'll start off with Polly Belter. It would have to be Lamar Jackson before the playoffs, but Patrick Mahomes edges it. Special mention for the 49ers. Baufin is the team I expected a lot more from at the start of the season. That was the Chargers, but special mention for the Browns uh, and the NFC East division. And two, a second, sorry, two for two. This is his second tweet. Bobag, weekly Bobag, as someone who isn't a fan of power rankings, I'd like to nominate anyone who thinks it's a good idea to do one in mid-February before free agency and the draft. But season Bobag, just to please Paul, Booger McFarlane. Yay! No, only joking, it's Antonio Brown. Um, oh. His words, not mine. Uh, Lauren Callahan then, his belter at Mahomes, followed up an MVP season that fell short of the Super Bowl to go one better this year, all whilst fighting the Madden curse. Although maybe that truly takes a year to set in, as is the case with his nomination for Bob Ag, Antonio Brown. Uh, Bowfin for him is the NFC East in general. Both the Cowboys and Eagles were talent-rich squads and featured in the 2018-19 playoffs, but struggled to match up with teams outside of the division this season. So we also reached out to a couple of other people as well to get their thoughts on this, and we'll share those before you and me ultimately get to ours. And um, people will be bored of my voice, I'm sure. But our friends at the Clear and Oblivious podcast, they're Belter, Taysom Hill, the best quarterback in the league, and we'll hear nothing against them. You will come Can't to argue that. with that. Can't <laughs> argue with that. Bob Ag, Earl Thomas, talked his mouth off, then got made a wee bitch. <laughs> Which is pretty true. And then Bowfin Mason Rudolph got put on his arse, then shouted the most embarrassing bitch ever, which we talked about at a live event. Very much the case. Uh, not a good look from him. And then we reached out to the rest of the NFL Scotland podcast team. So let's get those thoughts, and then I'll leave it to you because my voice is starting to run out. Uh, first up, we have Gordon McGuinness. His belter is Lamar Jackson, which he puts in bracket. I'm sure you're all shocked with that one. Bowfin, Saints fans blaming the officials again when their entire offense in the playoff loss came from a budget Tim Tebow. I'll let you have your say on that in a minute. Bob Ag has to be Antonio Brown. Charles Patterson, for him, Belters Mahomes, the most talented quarterback of all time, question mark. And I think we'll have our say on that one as well in a minute. Uh, Bowfin, Cleveland's ownership letting down their fan base since, well, forever. And Bob Ag is Antonio Brown, should never play again. Jamie Borthwick, he got in touch to sit, uh, he got in touch all the way from New Zealand, so extra special kudos to Jamie for this one. Belter no, for him. No, 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 I'm not having that. He was just showing off. He was in New Zealand. <laughs> Enough of the kudos for getting in touch from New Zealand nonsense. Call him out for what he is. Showing off, he was in New Zealand. <laughs> Belter for him is Lamar Jackson. We've seen plenty dual threat quarterbacks, but never as good as this. Is he that much of a dual threat when he's not? Yeah, that's another conversation. Uh, Bowfin is the Bruins. So much talent, so ineffective. And Bobag, it entertained me no end, but there's no competition to Antonio Brown, a legend in the field of Bob Baggery. 
Then Ian Stephen wraps it us up then with Belter. His Belter is Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterback seasons ever. Bifin for him is the Monday night football commentary team. Absolutely. And Bobag and Tony O'Brown. And with that, Paul, we've gone through most of the people that have got in touch with their annual nominations. So you can take it from here. Who gets your no- uh, your annual nominations? I like all of the, the nominations that have come in for, you know, for the belter. But let, let's put in another couple. What about Jimmy Gillen? He beat out a Pro Bowl kicker. He then goes into Cleveland and he is their star. He was absolutely sensational. You know, a boy who six, seven years ago was playing rugby in Scotland and now he's in the NFL. Not only is he in the NFL, he's established in the NFL. He had a brilliant first season. So I think we've got to tip our hat to that. It's just so difficult to do. And he has made it look easy. And he's probably cleared a path for other people to go down that route as well. Uh, The other one I like, I think we've got to give Josh Jacobs a little bit of a nod. Um, You mean, the guy was homeless, you know, living out a car when he was 13, 14 years old. His life could have gone in any direction. And with his determination and everything, before he was 22 years old, he made himself a star in the NFL. And that to me is tremendous. I love the stories behind these guys. You know, people knew that Lamar Jackson was going to be half decent. They didn't realize how good he was. The same with Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, 49ers. I tell you what, anybody wants to settle for being second best, but I get the point. They've gone from second worst to second best. I think Russell Wilson, that's an interesting one from Ian. I mean, he was largely overlooked simply because of Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, Christian McCaffrey, I think, had a really memorable season. Drew Brees, for all the records that he broke this year, I'm a Saints fan, I've got to mention him. Um, but yeah, I mean, Josh Jacobs will, will get my nod simply because of the story that he's that he's got behind him. I think that's a very, very good shout he is someone who, yeah, has been slightly overlooked in the the rookie of the year. It obviously went to Kyler Murray, but Josh Jacobs really had a tremendous year. And what was a... At the start of the season, the Raiders did really well. Came to London, beat the Bears. Things were going well, and then it just took a nosedive as all focus seemed to go towards Las Vegas. I think for me that there is a lot of contenders, and obviously the quarterbacks are going to get an awful lot of focus on that. And rightly so. I think that we've got exciting young quarterbacks coming through. We've talked about it repeatedly. Deshaun Watson. We talk about Lamar Jackson. We talk about Patrick Mahomes. They are exciting quarterbacks to watch. I'm not sure if Kyler Murray's quite going to live up to that, but there was definitely some signs of positivity coming out of that. And then you look at some of the old guard that have kind of made a name for themselves as well. The likes of Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's still managing to get wins down in that stinking up uh, Miami Dolphins team. You've got stories like Jacoby Brissett, who was kind of thrown in as QB number one unexpectedly and actually did an all right season without... He certainly progressed on where he'd done with them before. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo got an awful lot of heat for what he achieved in the Super Bowl games and the fact that he didn't throw a lot during the postseason, but he actually had a pretty decent year himself as well. Ryan Tannehill, for me as well, gets an absolute mention, you know, and it's funny, he won Comeback Player of the Year and Most Improved Player of the Year. I'm kind of a bit... I feel like he should have got one and not both. I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo probably had a slightly better case for comeback player of the year, given the injury that he sustained the year before. But actually, I'm going to give my belter to Ryan Tannehill for 
I mean, Derek Henry did a lot of the heavy lifting in that team. But Tannehill was a player I don't think anybody thought he could be, given how downhill he'd gone after a decent year one at the Dolphins under Adam Gase. I didn't think when he moved off to the Titans to, to back up Mariota, there's no way I w- would have ever guessed he would come in midway through the season and then take that Titans team from a losing team to the playoffs. Ryan Tannehill, I would have been like, there's no way. And he did it. He put the team on his back and a couple of games, you know, they beat the Chiefs. And that was as well, that was as much down to him as anybody. You know, a couple of massive plays, he showed exactly what he's capable of. So for me, outside bet, I mean, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, they're the easy ones. For me, I'm going to give it to Ryan Tannehill for what I thought was a, a really entertaining and thrilling season for him. Yeah, I mean, I can't can't argue with that. There's there's so many good candidates and there's so many good stories. So, yeah, I think that's great. Now, let's move on to the Bowfin. Yeah. Uh, because there's one name that I expected to be in there, and that was Jameis Winston. Yep. Simply because he takes his team so far and then seems to drag them back. Uh, and we are now talking today after he's gone in for eye surgery. Yep. Now, we've, we talked about his eyesight, particularly regarding colour blindness. This is interesting. You know, it is very worrying that you've got a quarterback and a relatively young man going in for eye surgery. Now, we'll hopefully find out a bit more about it in the next little while. But, you know, you've worn glasses for longer than I have. You know, you can wear contact lenses, you know, if... You know, so you don't need to wear glasses while you're playing, et cetera, et cetera. And given all the money and all the technology, you know, we're not talking about nipping down spec savers and picking up the disposable, you know, eyewear. You know, he's got everything at his disposal. So for the decision taken to go in to get surgery, to me, is quite big. Yeah, it definitely is. And it it plays a massive part. I think the thing that worries me about this story is the fact that they must have known at some point, that his eyes were failing him. They don't go from 2020 vision to I need laser surgery in a couple of months unless there's something more serious going on. So I don't think that's the case. It does feel like a little bit, I don't know, it feels like a bit of a, oh, his eyesight's out, he's going to get laser eye surgery. I don't know how bad his vision was. I don't know that we'll ever know. I don't think it's something he'll share. But I started wearing glasses myself when I was about 14. And for me, it was sitting at school looking at the, the, the blackboard and I couldn't read what was being written. If I sat at the back of the class, I was like, hang on a minute, this probably isn't right. Uh, and I had started going to the football games and things like that. I used to sit behind the goals and when players were down the far end, I never saw anything. So when I put on glasses, what a game changer. I could see <laughs> all the way yeah. to the other end of the pitch. I was like, this is brilliant. Uh, and I, I can't wear contacts. I've tried numerous times to put them in my eye. Can't wear them. Don't like them. Don't like putting my finger in my eye. Oh, no thanks. I can't. Um, that's why I couldn't do that either. There's just no way. I mean, I, I started wearing glasses uh, about a year and a half, two years ago for reading. Um, and I basically denied myself that I needed them for for a long time, just out of sheer vanity, because I knew I can't touch my eyes. I have no desire to touch my eyes uh, w- with contacts. The idea of getting laser eye surgery scares the living 
bejesus out of me. Uh, but it took me a long time to to make that switch because sometimes you you know you're either too proud, you're too vain, or whatever, which is completely stupid. And I'm just wondering if there was an element of that with Jameis Winston. He just didn't want to admit how bad things possibly were. Possibly felt if he did admit that he had an eye problem, he would lose his position. Um, so do you know what? Let's give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. I think that yet. Yeah, he made too many interceptions not to be considered for a Bowfin Award for the season. He did also throw an awful lot of touchdowns. So we saw both the good and the bad. I think that because he showed some considerable upside at times, he gets a pass for me. On the point, it's the one thing, you know, as a quarterback, it's not like you could wear glasses on the field. You look at Rodrigo Blankenship, who's the kicker for the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, as a kicker, he goes on the field with glasses on and kicks and does yeah. a pretty decent job of it in that position where he's unlikely to get hit all that often, it's fine. You know, he, he has to wear the thick glasses during the game. He's got special goggles for it. We've seen over the years players like Edgar Davids in, in our football wear glasses on the field and things like that. I don't think at the quarterback position it's something that you could do because the hit, it, there's too much risk there that there's damage done if the glasses were to break that's right in front of your eye. There's no way that you would take that risk. So it'll be interesting to see what he does next season now. That excuse isn't going to fly if he's still chucking the interceptions next year. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. And, you know, time will tell. Certainly something's got to happen for him because we did think there was a problem. We thought colour blindness, but obviously there there was a problem. Um, and, that, and there it is, you know. That's what's happened. So we'll see where it goes, Cameron. I mean, elsewhere, I mean, it's no surprise that the Browns are on the list. You know, we, we got sold on the Browns. Everybody got sold on the Browns. It was great PR. Uh, you know, you were over there. You picked up the vibe in the city. This was not some, you know, fake excitement. This was genuine excitement. They actually thought they were about to, to do something and deliver. And in a down year for the Steelers, you know, and the Bengals. Well, if the Bengals have an up here, please get in touch. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, Bengals fans. I actually like the Bengals, just in case anybody wonders. It'd be interesting to see that the Browns did so badly. The coach is one and done. You know, they've got rid of the GM. I mean, that's just shambolic. Uh, yeah, it really is. It's 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 another clear out. It's another reset back to zero. There's question marks about. Uh, does Beckham want out of the city? He's saying no. There's, there's, there's clearly problems there. Um, I think that they have so much talent, and this is the thing, though. If somebody now comes in and and can get them to kind of get a grip, and it needs someone strong. And we said this last year: if the Browns were going to falter, it's because the person at the top isn't strong enough to deal with the personalities that are in that dressing room. I don't think Freddie Kitchens was strong enough to do it, and I think that shows. What they need now is someone that's going to come in and be strong. And again, they've kind of gone for someone that's not that experienced. I do wonder about a decision like that, whether they would have been better going for someone a bit more tried and tested that, you know, look at Andy Reid, and look at what Andy Reid's done. Yeah. Now, that's a, a coach with a, a huge amount of experience who's got an exciting quarterback, who who's able to set up exciting plays. He's done a brilliant job. I always feel that someone that's maybe coming into a role uh, that isn't as experienced is going to always have a little bit of an issue dealing with some of these personalities. So, time will tell, though. 
the Browns have got a lot of young talent. You know, they've they've had a lot of draft picks over the year. They they have good players there. They're more than capable of winning that division. It's a little bit harder now that Lamar Jackson's in there and the, the Ravens are playing really well. But the Bengals, let's say, you know, they take Burrows at number one. It's going to take a year or two for them to come around. You, you wonder what state the Steelers are going to be in. So, you know, the, this is a chance for the Browns to step up and do something. But they don't have a huge amount of time on this. And it does feel like this is when they're hot. So, a big the, year ahead. Yeah, the Browns, out with the Jamie, who was a massive success, it, they're almost becoming a trope, you know. Yeah. We've heard of this, we've heard of this, it's our time, it's our time, it's our time. And, it, you know, it starts to get a little bit a little bit dull. I mean, let's let's jump to the Antonio Brown. I mean, Miles Garrett, bless him, tried really hard uh, to be the biggest asshole in the league this year. But, I mean, Antonio Brown, I don't think, I mean, I've covered sport um, thank, the Scotland on Sunday called me a veteran. What can I say? Um, the, you know, that's great. <laughs> a young veteran. That 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 was the words that they meant to put in. I started young. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's that's absolutely true. But nobody could out bag Antonio Brown. Now, if he'd done one of these things, but we kept talking about him throughout the year. Yeah. For doing, you know, you know whether it was, you know, involved with the police arguing with teammates, arriving in New England, being a, a complete prat. It's just unbelievable. You know, any in any given year, any one of these things that he did, you know, from the frostbitten feet to the helmet fiasco, would have won it. And yeah, we, we've talked about. We, we won't bore people again with that. He is just. He either gets the worst advice or he's so self-centered. He's just got no idea. He should be on the football field. He should be making a difference somewhere because the guy's got talent like you wouldn't believe. I always thought that Des Bryant was a bit of a bobag, and actually, when Des, you start to look at Des Bryant and you go, oh, "Do you know what? Des really wasn't that bad," um, and he isn't in comparison. <laughs> it's it, it's it's a real. I feel sorry for him, and that's where I've got to with it now. I I genuinely feel sorry for him. I think that he's got issues. There's no two ways about it. He's yep. now coming back out and apologising. I, I saw something on Instagram where he was apologising to Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he basically destroyed every single relationship he had, even down to the one they had with his agent. And then there comes a point where it's like, dude, you just got to take a step back, shut your face, and just focus in on what you're doing. Stop worrying about what your presence is on social media. I still think this is a thing across the whole of the NFL. Even to Emmanuel Sanders, you know, he's going on about people mentioning his age. That's fine because, do you know what, wide receivers over the age of 32 tend to go downhill. Not all of them do, but that's people are going to use these things. Don't worry about what people are saying. Do your talking on the field. Do your talking on the field and don't even contemplate what focusing on social media because you can find pretty much anybody can find somebody that's got a problem with them um i'm probably not high profile enough but paul i'm sure more than once and this is no slight on you but more than once you'll have covered a game and somebody will have a pop and said oh can't believe how biased you were uh, and all that kind of stuff and that's just because people have opinions and unfortunately social media allows them a platform on which to share them you have to ignore all that crap yeah I I mean, as I say, said before on Twitter, and I'll say again, if I've got time and somebody asks me a question on Twitter or a response to a tweet I've made, I will answer them. The only thing I ask is don't swear at me and don't call me any names because that actually is disrespectful. Um, and I had somebody this week um, call me something and I just went, 
that's fine, mate. No problem at all. You're muted. I'll never hear from you ever again. <laughs> yeah. I never block anyone. I just mute people so they can shout in the wind as far as, as far as I'm concerned. A couple of people, I'm not quite sure which category to go in because, again, if you separate one persona from the other, so if you take, and I don't know if you know where I'm going with it, if you take his work in the social environmental um, class if you like, he's doing grand. On the football side, I think he's a ball bag, and that's Colin Kaepernick yeah. for the way that he treated the second chance. Now, the NFL were not perfect in the way they engineered it. It wasn't ideal in terms of days. We get that. But he agreed to the terms and then broke the terms. Yeah, and again... I- A little bit like Antonio Brown. You either want to play the damn game or you don't. You've only got a limited amount of time in life. As I say, Colin Kaepernick, if he wants to be the social warrior, great. Fully support him. Off you go. If you want to play football, unfortunately, like the rest of us, and we've all had to sort of compromise our principles at times so we can get on it in life. We don't particularly like doing it, but sometimes there's just absolutely no choice. If he'd been interested in playing football, he would have gone along with that. He would have shown off his skills and he might have landed back up on a team somewhere. Yeah, I think for me, do you know what? It falls into the Bowfin category for me because I think it was a bad, a bad tip button try and put my teeth back in a bad tick box exercise Mm -hmm. on all parts i don't think i think that the the nfl did it because they felt they had to do something i think that it was so particular around uh, settings that there was not a lot of flexibility what was then initially signed up to was then changed which made it look ridiculous i just think the whole thing stank on all directions and i think it's just a just a really crappy thing that's not going to go away and it's even now and we'll come on to the xfl but the xfl have said that uh, colin kaepernick isn't willing to to play football for the money that they're offering fine i've got no issue with that do you know what it's it's just because you've been a football player doesn't mean you're going to do it for any amount of money i that's totally fine i want to be whatever i want to be but i'm also not going to do it for a price where i feel like i'm lowering myself too far um and Fine, I've got no issue with that whatsoever. But this is see, going to I, I take, I take the counterpoint. I take the counterpoint on that. The guy's not poor. I mean, his Nike contract alone will mean he's not poor. He doesn't need the money if he wants to play football. Go play football. Yeah, he doesn't need the money if he wants to go and prove people. So go into the XFL, absolutely light it up, and somebody will come running. See, I don't think anybody will. I think that's the thing. I don't think he believes anybody will. And then his career is defined as someone who then, it's very easy for someone to then point at him and go, oh, look, he couldn't even make it anymore. He's he's down there. Um, If if he lights up the XFL, somebody will go for him because somebody somewhere will think he's better than what we've got or we'll bring him in, we'll give him a chance to compete for the job. There are... I mean, I I don't think he's a particularly brilliant quarterback. I think he's got flaws, but he's also got good points to his game, as he showed when he went to the Super Bowl with the 49ers. But if he wants to play football, and that's the only question, say, we take away everything else out of this. If he wants to play football, he had a route back in, didn't take it. He's now got another one. He... You know, Colin Kaepernick could not be paid another cent between now and the day he dies, and he's not going to be poor if he's managed his money properly. Yeah. So if you want to play football, 
go and pick a team, any one of those teams is going to take, and go and sling the ball about and run about and show you, I am this good. If you now don't come and get me because I am this good, then you have the problem, and I'm proving the fact that the NFL have the problem with me. So it's a different way to look at it, but I think he's a ball bag for not doing it. Fine. No, that's fine. Um, so, right, who for you then gets your bowfin? Because I don't think we've committed to this yet. My bowfing is is ESPN executives. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. And I'll, t- I'll tell you why. They had a chance with Jason Witten. When Jason Witten left that booth, they had the chance to completely remake it. And they didn't. They bottled it, in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they've got a capable enough commentator. But Booger McFarland, when he was running about in the Boogermobile, proved he was awful. He's a, he's a good opinionated guy. He's a studio guy. He's not a, a colour guy. So stop putting him in the wrong place. They had the chance to blow the whole thing up and go out and get somebody else. I've argued for long enough. Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts would be a nice, strong, simple pair of hands. Pair back the game. Make it a lot more simple. You know, stop trying to be overly impressive you've got the audience it's the only game in town on a monday night so to me they failed now they've potentially got the ability to come in with a belter next year because they've got the chance to reset and espn are also looking if they come back into the nfl for a deal which obviously they want to do for monday night football is they are trying to get a flex option put in yeah now that to me is you know showing at last some semblance of sense now you might not get the biggest flex option in the world you might say only get a two game flex which you would have to agree with everybody and you wouldn't be allowed to flex in the best game out of them all and you would need to pick say 3 weeks in advance to allow people to move things around but to me that's that's the best thing that they can do is Redo the booth. Now, it could be Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner who called the Super Bowl on radio. They could go in and do it. Fresh start. Great people. ESPN are moving in the right direction if they go that way. If they stick as they are, then they're going to be back in the Bowfin and even possibly the Bobberg category next year. <laughs> so I think that's fair to say. Um, for me, the Bowfin one goes to the... Someone else highlighted this. Um, it goes to the LA Chargers. I think that they have absolutely screwed up this move to LA. I think that they've they've got a talented team that they didn't look after. I think, in the sense like you know Melvin Gordon, they allowed him to to strike. It disrupted their season. You had Austin Eckler come in and do really well. And then when Gordon was back, he came in. They've now obviously moved away from Philip Rivers. I don't think they have an identity. Um, and I think that you saw so many games during the season. They're already in a small stadium. So, you know, they're in the Stop Hop Centre, which is tiny. They have been in it. I mean, it's 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 a nice, tidy soccer stadium. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a better soccer stadium for me than the one in Orlando, which I just think is clunky and metallic. It's a nice little place which they were upgrading. The tennis centre is on the back. It's in a 
you know, it's in the middle of nowhere, but, you know, there's lots of parking for it and the likes, and they have worked hard. And I went to an LA Galaxy game there. The Galaxy did a great job of keeping, you know, people entertained, lots of things. So there's space to do things, but it's not an NFL stadium. I think get them back to San Diego as quickly as possible if San Diego would have them back. Yeah. Because that that's where they've got to go. Alternatively, and it's not as sexy, Oakland's available again. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but you would need to work out a stadium deal. You, you simply would. But Oakland is there if you want to stay in the state of California. They have taken one of the great names. I love the San Diego Chargers. Phil Rivers, everybody knew them. Because they were on the West Coast, you saw their games a little bit later. You know, I've listened to some of their stuff on the radio. I now don't give two hoots about the LA Chargers because there's just it just sounds wrong. It looks wrong. It is wrong. Get back to San Diego. Yeah. And so often we saw the stadium filled with away fans. I think it was the Steelers game where it just terrible towels on show. Average attendance last season was 25,393 in what is a 27,000-seater stadium. Now, I'd imagine some of those seats aren't available because they'll tarp them off. So 25 is maybe about as much as you can get. Uh, but it's just, it's just dire. I don't think LA wants them. I don't think they know where they're going. And yet moving away from Phil Rivers, just it just is a, it's a franchise that's on the slide that's just moved. And when you move into a new home, you got to be on the up because you got to attract the audience, especially when the Rams have moved there. The Rams who are exciting and under Sean McVay, it just, for me, they've been absolutely both a massive disappointment and they've gone under the radar because actually the difference between them and the Browns is I don't think anybody cares about the Chargers right now. And that's really sad to see. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody does. And I don't think they particularly will. And as you say, it's just, it's beyond sad that such a franchise can be taken and just ruined. I mean, I I think they have been ruined in in many ways. And it is such a damn shame. They're a team I often have rooted for and like to see them do well. I think, you know, over the... Philip Rivers, I'm up and down with Philip Rivers. Um, I kind of think sometimes his shouty attitude on the field makes him come across a bit of a ball bag. But he's clearly talented. He's worked hard. He's given everything to San Diego. Um, And then, obviously, when they moved them, it just... Yeah, it's just a terrible decision. But a really bowfin season from from them. And and that's that. Um, um, Ballbag award then is it anyone other than Antonio Brown I mean Miles I mean, Garrett definitely gets a shout but yeah and Mason Rudolph for being a bit of a dick about it all as well you know I mean yeah. you're, go- you're going to get you're going to get I don't mind people doing the odd thing that, that looks daft and dumb because it's not in their DNA it certainly appears to be in Antonio Brown's DNA and that that to me I mean let's be honest, next season we're, we're already looking at awards for next season and we're still looking at the Antonio Brown ball bag award, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, because there's nobody that's coming anywhere close to the guy. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Um, it's, it is his award. It's his to give away. It might be his next season. I think I agree. Miles Garrett, uh, Mason Rudolph for me as well. I, fine, he got hit over the head with a helmet. He was not blameless. Um, I also some of the stuff he did and yeah not a fan of him don't not a fan of him i think it general ball baggery there frank clark i've picked on and will pick on again uh i think tyreek hill is a nominee for that one 
Um, yeah. Kareem Hunt just about avoids it, but still managed to get himself into trouble a couple of times. There's there's certainly a streak of behaviour in there, but um, yeah, the epitome of which is um, Antonio Brown. Robert Kraft for his um, shenanigans in Florida. No, 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 I'm not buying that. That is a happy ending. No, not buying that at all. <laughs> oh, dear God. Right, okay. And <laughs> uh, before we leave that, I think we should also touch upon all the guys, and that was one of the rare things they did in the Pro Bowl, is, is all the men of the year for all the various teams. Yeah. Congratulations to them. I think it's easy for us to do the ball bag award, and we do it in a light-hearted way uh, because it's just a bit of fun. But the amount of work that so many of these professional athletes do that they don't have to do, and some of them make absolutely no fuss about doing it as well, I think we pay tribute to them. Indeed, indeed. Right, we've decided, and we had a little bit of a chat about this, but we're going to throw in some other Scottish slanted awards that you and me will just discuss. So we're going to kick off, first of all, Paul, with Draft Diddy of the Year. Now, for anyone outside of Scotland that isn't familiar with the term Diddy, it means... Well, what does it mean? It means rubbish. Just a Diddy yeah. team is a small, nothing, disappointing, not up to much. So Draft Diddy would be somebody from the draft... He's a complete diddy. Okay, I'm going into the second round for this, and you're oh. going to have to work work hard to beat this one. Because I think anybody that's in the first two rounds, I think, counts as potential for this. So, And you've probably got this one already. It's got to be Drew Sample, uh, <laughs> who's the tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, he was played his college ball at Washington, drafted in the second round. He's six foot five. He's 258 pounds. Pick number 52. Now he goes to the Bengals. Now, granted, they're not the best in the league, but they did have Andy Dalton under centre to start with. Uh, what did he do? Five catches for 30 yards, no touchdowns through nine games. He started two of them and finished the season on injured reserve. Now, for a second round draft pick, I would argue that's about as underwhelming <laughs> as it gets. Uh, do you know, it's a solid, solid contribution. I'm actually going for one that's maybe a little bit more controversial because I'm going right to the top of the board and I'm going to take Quinn and Williams uh, to the New York Jets defensive tackle. I oh, think okay. that there was so much chat about him being the one of the best sort of game-ready, starter-ready players in the draft this year. And he had a total of uh, 28 tackles, uh, 15 solo, two and a half sacks. Over the whole season, just yeah, I mean, that, that's under that's underwhelming. Yeah, yeah, just absolutely. Pfft, when there was so much talk, I think he was the highest graded player. I'm sure he was the highest graded player coming into the draft. And I remember thinking, oh, actually, you know, if the Niners don't get Bosa, let's go Williams. That would be good. Um, and actually, we by far got the better player out of that pick. Um. Apparently, there was even one team was sort of sniffing around them at the trade deadline to find out if the Jets would be willing to let him go. Um, they weren't, but he just, just such a disappointment. I genuinely, th I mean, the Jets as a whole. So maybe, maybe it's a little bit harsh on Quinn and Williams. Maybe this is the Adam Gase effect, uh, which I think is substantial and sucks. And actually, he should have been in my contender for Bowfin Award as well. Um, but, I mean, all the way back to the dodgy, googly eyes and everything. Uh, what a season he had. <laughs> but uh, Quinn and Williams, for me, gets my draft diddy. Now, we are giving ours. We haven't given you the chance on this. 
get on Twitter and share your thoughts on this. We are going to share some of the best of them. So do let us know who your draft idiot is. Moving on from that thought, Stromash of the season. Um, I didn't think there was too much this season. I didn't think there was that, you know, it wasn't a great season for, for teams trying to kick 10 bells out of each other. Uh, I mean, the Stromash of the seasons just actually happened here uh, in my part of the studio because my cat came in. I tried to knock the cat away, uh, <laughs> pulled my cable over, uh, drenched my whole desk in Coca-Cola. And for the last 10 minutes as we've been chatting, I've been trying to mop up on my keyboard, my bin. <laughs> so, you know, a man under pressure here, but that was a hell of a stromash between me and the cat. So Now, uh, see, you, you, you battled it earlier, but surely only a veteran would be able to uh, mop up Coca-Cola while still contributing to your podcast. So, uh, you, know, okay. you might fight it, but... <laughs> I'll um, take it. I'll take it. So Stramash of the season for me. For those that don't know Stramash, Stramash is just kind of like an absolute yeah. Uh, again, I should, probably should have looked up what this actually means. A Stramash is basically a real battle with yeah. absolutely no class. Just people sort of in footballing terms, it would be teams within the six yard box with ten guys trying to kick it one way and ten guys trying to kick it in the net. You know, inelegant. I think yes. would be the way. Inelegant, messy chaos. Uh, for me, I think that the so if I think about the obviously the biggie is the Miles Garrett Mason Rudolph thing, which is just a just a fight. I'm actually my favourite one um, was Vernon Butler, and we gave this up earlier on. But um, so we gave this up earlier on. We talked about this at our live event as well. But for me, I just think it's hilarious uh, as he's battling with Glowinski of the Colts. They tumble to the ground. Um, Jack Doyle is lying there doing nothing. Vernon Butler gets up and punches him in the helmet. Not, <laughs> not. Now that sounds worse than the it head. Could be. The head. The head. Yeah. But on his helmet, it was hilarious and it was just ridiculous. And it was at a complete no point of the game. There was nothing really happening, and Butler got ejected. And I was just like, "What the hell?" Um, and it was ridiculous. For the time of the game it was in, for the, the whole scenario, it just made me laugh. So I just thought, because it was so ridiculous, uh, Vernon Butler gets my stramash of the, of the season. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely go with that. So we've got best for a blether. So, you know, who covered themselves in glory in the commentary box? I mean, I, I'd like to say a big thanks to Westwood One for the bits and pieces of the coverage that I was able uh, to pick up. I thought they were outstanding. Um, the Washington Redskins remain the most bias radio team um, that you'll ever hear, but I have no problem with that because they don't set out to be unbiased. Um, I don't like the Saints radio team. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I don't think it's very good. I don't like taking people off the field and shoving them into play-by-play -play with absolutely no experience. I generally, I mean, I've listened to the Saints a couple of times. It's, it is horrible, horrible stuff. Uh, but Kevin Harlan is the man, you know, not just for you know, the bits of content that we see that go viral, the funny stuff. He just is an all-round damn good broadcaster. I heard a podcast with him interviewed, um, 
you know, this year. And it was tremendous. He is on our list of guests that we would love to get on the NFL Scotland podcast. And I think we're going to certainly try that in the summer to see if we could get 20 minutes with Kevin Harling, because I think he'd be fantastic. Yeah, I think he's had a really good season. And I don't listen to as much of the radio coverage as you do. I tend to watch Red Zone, so I haven't heard as much of it. But there's a couple of big plays where he has called them. Uh, I think that Tony Romo continually to be, is continually the one of the best. But I think that Kevin Harlan is superb. Um, so for me, I, I'm obviously going to bow to your greater knowledge in this field anyway. But I think that Kevin Harlan has had an absolutely tremendous season. Yeah, good on him. And I, I think we should give a wee, just a wee bit of applause as well for talk sport, for the way they covered the sport this year as well. You yeah. know, Nat Coombs well, and Gavin. Cole. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely tremendous, Ollie Wilson. Just, just brilliant from from that point of view. And Mike Carlson continues to light it up on whatever platform uh, that he goes on. We're big Mike Carlson fans. Yeah, I definitely don't think we can complain about the coverage we get of the NFL here in the UK. Now it really is very good at all levels, which is excellent to see. Right, the last one then that we're going to touch on: um, money a mickle, max a muckle, which yeah, means which- basically. Lots of little things make a big thing. So this is an award for basically the best bit of business, putting together a number of little pieces that have accumulated into a big piece. And for me, I think there's three nominations for this one. Go for it. I think the nominations are the Buffalo Bills, because they have put together a team that for me has no standout stars, but they've put in, they've, br- they've brought in Brown, they added Singletary, they've got Gore, they've picked up Allen, uh, and they've got a couple of really good pieces, and they've managed to turn that team into a team that actually kind of competed with the, the Patriots in that division. And it went down, I mean, normally by week 10, it's like, well, it's the Patriots and it's nobody else. Genuinely, for a while there, I thought, eh, the Bills might have a chance here. They weren't brilliant, but I think that the fact that they've put a lot of non-superstars together and made a really good team means, for me, they get a nomination for that one. I think okay. the other nomination for me are the Baltimore Ravens because, similarly, they went and they went and took the risk on Lamar Jackson. Um, they took out Flacco. They put Jackson in. Um, he had a good season running, wasn't brown on the throw. This year, they put some pieces around him. Uh, they went out in the draft and they picked up Marquise Brown. Uh, they picked up Boykin. They obviously added a plethora of tight ends, which have been super effective. They also added Mark Ingram. You know, you look at the running back situation, who was backing up Lamar Jackson, and the the running backs that started this year were nothing like the committee that started last year. And I think that they just did a very good job of putting the pieces around Lamar Jackson to allow him to succeed and as the type of quarterback that he is. And I think that, you know, the the step up that they took, okay, fine, didn't do particularly well in the playoffs, granted, but the improvements in the regular season they made were substantial. Then the last one is the San Francisco 49ers. I genuinely think Tevin Coleman, uh, Raheem Mostert was obviously there, but they put him in. Um, I think Debo Samuel going out and getting Emmanuel Sanders and then putting all those places, uh, the pieces on defense. Uh, obviously, you've got Nick Bosa, you've got D Ford, you've had Quan Alexander. They've had injuries. They've been able to plug people in. I think all three of those deserve credit for getting a load of pieces where the sum of the part uh, the sum of the pieces is is greater than the the, the individual 
things themselves. Um, and they're my contenders. Can I add one to that? You can. Because they've annoyed me intensely all season, is the Tennessee Titans. Yep. And Mike Vrabel, I think he did a great job. You know, he has taken a guy in Marcus Mariota, who I still think is better than James Winston, you know, who led them, who's coming into a very important time in his career. And he had the stones to dump him in favour of Ryan Tannehill. And, you know, that's really interesting. They won seven of their final 10 games. They started two and four. He took action. He knows, I mean, he was in a lose-lose situation, if you like, because if if it didn't work, then you've ruined Mariota and you've then probably ruined your job as well. You know, now he was nine and seven in his first season. If, you know, so they started two and four with 10 games to go and they were seven and three. If they'd gone three and seven, Cameron, and finished five and 11, do you think he'd still be in a job? <laughs> no, possibly not. So I, I think there's got to be a lot, a lot of credit goes goes his particular way as well. I mean, I think the winner, I think the standout has to be San Francisco just because of the, the turnaround. And that started, you know, at the executive level. They said it wouldn't work. It has worked. And they've come forward. They've made the right decisions at the right times. I thought being second worst last year was a little bit unfair because they lost their quarterback, but it worked and you got Bosa and Bosa to me has been one of the stars of the league. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's a total homer vote, but I think that the Niners have really done a good job of taking a load of parts and making a substantial improvement. I think that's a, the Titans is a great shout to add into the contender list. But I think that, yeah, you know, the, the Niners have done very, very well. Right, well, that's concluded things then for the voting. That is the annual Fit Bra, American Fit Bra Awards by the NFL Scotland podcast. Um, do get in touch and share any thoughts that you have on some of those other ones that we we discussed there. It was Draft Diddy, Stramash of the Season, Best for a Blether, and Moni a Mickle, Max a Muckle. Not too many podcasts have got that award, I can tell you. <laughs> right. Moving on then, Paul. Did you watch well, the XFL? I did. And I was quite impressed. I mean, the first thing I thought is that, and I, I never actually, because it was slightly further away by not by much, but I never actually got to saw it, see it when I was in Washington, was I thought that the Audi Arena in Washington looks rather tidy, a really nice stadium, right size, and it hosted the, the Washington defenders pretty well. I was very impressed with the crowd that was there, and I thought it looked really, really good. And I think... I was then a bit disappointed then to see that the New York Guardians were playing, uh, you know, in the Meadowlands because that's just too big. I thought they might have tried to find one of the, the soccer stadiums or something like that. But I was quite impressed. I thought some of the announcing was decent. I thought the graphics, you know, showing, you know, where you went for 1.2 point, points. I think the kickoffs were slightly weird, but I get it and I like it, and there was just an awful lot to like about it. And it shows you that, you know, the XFL version 1, which tanked badly in the end, it's like that was somebody's, somebody had a tantrum and set up the XFL. It now sounds like somebody set up this version of the XFL, having thought about it, thought about what will work, what will look good on television. You know, some of the, the interactions on the sideline was 
possibly a little bit too much. One of the coaches, I can't remember, I loved it. He kept putting his hand over his mouth to hide the plays, unaware that everybody could hear what he was saying <laughs> yeah. on the telly. Um, so, I mean, old habits die hard uh, and and that kind of thing. So that, that was quite funny. Now, I thought the TV coverage was decent. I was able to track down uh, the Houston Renegades game on the radio. I wasn't able to take the Dallas Mavericks game because that was blocked over in the EU. Just sometimes, you know, if you're looking around various streaming services and the such. I think what they need to do is they need to work on getting radio coverage and they need to work on getting press coverage. I heard that the Washington Post, for example, barely covered anything regarding them. And that's the kind of thing you've got to get it into the local press and just try and generate more interest and more excitement. Uh, but I thought they did well. It's watchable. And I'll certainly be watching in week two. Yeah, I will be as well. I, I really enjoyed it. I think that the the good certainly massively outweighs the bad. I think that right away, we talked about this already, but the fact that the XFL have managed to get a decent TV deal is huge. The fact that even in the UK, you can watch it through ESPN player and actually BT Sport showed all four games and BT Sport are showing all four games again this weekend, including one of the games which is on BT Sport 1. So the fact that they're putting that on the flagship channel shows that there's people definitely interested in this, which is brilliant. You look at that and you talk about Washington DC. Defenders had a good win against the Seattle Dragons. I agree. I thought the stadium looked great. Same for the Houston Roughnecks. They had a win over the LA Wildcats. Uh, New York's got a team that they can get behind. Fine, okay, yeah, it looks... It's a shame it's in MetLife. I agree with that. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't try and reach out to one of the football teams, the New York Red Bulls, but possibly because the MLS season is due to start in March, it just wasn't going to work. And then there's a team to to support if you're in St. Louis again. So you've got football back, which is great. Um, the, the audio was the one thing, and I think in that first game, I don't need to hear everything that the coaches are saying. I think that that starts to get very wear thin. I would rather hear the analysts and hear them talk about the game than hear a bunch of play calls that for the most part means absolutely nothing to me. And even then the analysts turning it round and saying what it likely means doesn't really add anything to the experience. I don't need to hear the coaches. And I thought that the second game when it got onto Fox Sports didn't cover it as much as the ABC ESPN coverage had done in the first game. So I was pleased to see that. And I think that, you know, they're going to fine tune this. I thought the kickoffs were really good. And actually, there's been a lot of positivity around that. I think that right now, the one, two and three point after the, the touchdown isn't necessarily working because I don't think the teams know how to utilize that. What was really interesting as well was the lack of running back play. Obviously, the offensive lines are new to the team, so they've not had that perhaps time to gel together and figure out the plays. But there was a lot of dependency on the wide receivers. That's going to put the pressure on the quarterbacks, especially for those quarterbacks that perhaps aren't particularly good at throwing. Uh, and if the teams don't have that run option, then it's going to be, you know, uh, it, they're going to get found out pretty quickly. Landry Jones obviously didn't play um, because of injury. Uh, Josh Johnson didn't play because of injury, so there's, those guys have still to come into it. I, I think it's got a lot of potential here, and I hope that it knows what it is and that it sees year one as an establishment year and that it doesn't get frustrated by a perceived lack of growth. Like the alliance just, when it came around, it felt like it was trying too hard to push and to mix it up and to add quirkiness, and it cost a lot of money to do that, and ultimately that cost them. 
Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. I think it's in a good place. TV deal does help. As I say, they've got to get into the local radio, into the local press as well. Yeah. And then, you know, see where it goes. I am, I mean, the one thing I'm still surprised about the markets that they're in, you know, I'm still surprised that they went, I mean, Washington, Seattle, Dallas, LA, Houston, I've all got teams. So, you know, I was slightly surprised by the way they've done that. Same with Tampa Bay, obviously. So, I mean, the only place that doesn't have a team is St. Louis. And I just thought there was potential to go somewhere else. But they've obviously researched their market. They haven't seen the sign and the, like the good thing is, they're, I mean, they're big they're big, you know, big cities, obviously. So you are going to a massive market. But I would have liked to have seen a couple of different cities involved. But I think they're playing it safe in terms of potential audience and TV markets as well. Yes, no, definitely. So it's going to be interesting to see how it progresses. But so far, so far, so good. And when we catch up again in a couple of weeks' time, because we're now into our off-season schedule, so we're not doing weekly, but we'll catch up every couple of weeks, it'll be interesting to see where it's gone from there. Uh, and I think that we'll probably spend some time discussing the pros and cons now that we've had a couple of weeks at that point to discuss exactly what's going on. So look forward to that. But I'll, I'll certainly be tuning in again this weekend. Yeah, so will I, without any doubt. It's, it's just good to have some football around. Indeed. So any other news items catching your fancy at the moment? Well, obviously, what's going on at the Saints catches my eye. You know, Taysom Hill saying he wants to get paid. He wants the chance to be a quarterback. You know, Saints obviously got Tyrod, T- uh, sorry, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, can he go somewhere else? You know, will Drew Brees coming back? So that's the sort of drama that's kicking off round about New Orleans. So I'm obviously keeping an eye on that. Th- the rest of it's a little bit of just sort of background noise. I think this is a time where you look at your own team just to make sure that nothing stupid is going to happen yeah. to it. Um, and obviously the quarterback situation, I think this quarterback situations will play out in Memphis. I think it will play out in Tampa Bay as well. It would just be interesting to see, and because obviously we're going to start to talk about the draft, start looking at you know the players. We'll do our look back at the draft from a couple of years ago, and our you know the way that we do it. We don't just go back one year because that's not enough to see whether people can come back and see you know who's had the best piece of business. But yeah, we'll start to ramp up for the draft as well. Yeah, lots to talk about. It feels like at the moment there's a lot of quarterback chat, and I think that's the one thing. Uh, and I don't know if it's because there's a number of quarterbacks coming out of the draft again where they felt that they're going to be real talent that's going to be added in this division. Uh, sorry, in this division, in this position. You've obviously got the fact that the Chargers are moving on from Philip Rivers. You've got stories, although I don't know how true it is, that the Patriots are going to let Brady try out in free agency and see what's going to go on there. There's um, the Lions general manager saying, you know, Stafford trade reports are false, 100% false. Well, you know, as soon as he's saying it's 100% false, then there's usually something behind it. You've got, uh, where's Andy Dalton going? And the fact that the Bengals are talking about cutting him a deal. Uh, are, are trying to trade him and find him a decent place to go. Then there's uh, Cam Newton. What's going to happen with Cam? Is his time up in Carolina? There's Joe Flacco out at the Denver Broncos. As obviously it felt like Drew Locke has definitely done enough to perhaps win that position. Drew Brees, I think, is going to be a free agent. Now, I anticipate, I'm sure they'll snap him up, but you never know. And then obviously Taysom Hill, is he good enough to go and get a number one quarterback position i'm not sure we've seen enough of him for anyone to roll the dice on him um he's currently i guess a number three slash uh, trick player but i don't know that we've seen enough from him to to for anyone to put him in as a number one 
I agree. I think I think he's a little bit away. I mean, if he was in your organisation and you had to put him in and go with him, I think he would get a chance. But he, he's been hampered by the fact the Saints have used him so effectively that he is seen as that kind of auxiliary player. Now, personally, I'd like to see the Saints pay him as much money as they can, but tell him what his role is, which is to, you know, to come in and make a difference at different times in different positions. And if he's prepared to accept that, uh, I think the Saints would be absolutely delighted. He's also um, going to be 30 years old when the season starts. So yeah. it's not like he's a young person, a young person, a young player. Um, it's it's definitely an interesting one. So, um, you know, there's a lot that he would need to prove before ever getting anywhere near that. You know, he played five years at BYU. Um, five different seasons there. Uh, only came into the league in 2017, I think. So you know, even for his age, he's not he's not been in the league that long. So it's a it's an interesting one. I get what he's saying, but I think that until you've done more to prove yourself as a as a top quarterback, nobody's going to risk that uh, putting you into that position. And again, that's where something like the XFL having a league like that in the future would give a player like Taysom Hill the opportunity to go prove himself. You know, I want to be a number one quarterback, so do you know what? I'm going to go and play where I'm going to be a starting quarterback for eight to ten games, and I'm going to show everyone what I'm about. Brilliant. Yeah. And you've got your opportunity to come in and do it. So I think that right away, going back to the XFL stuff, is the benefit of having that um, support league or that secondary league or spring league or development league or whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, right now I don't think there's enough there. Philip Rivers is an interesting one. There's a, a lot of places that he could land. I would say the same of Andy Dalton. You know, Chicago might go and get one of these older quarterbacks and put them in, uh, either bench or get rid of uh, Trubisky. You've got to say that the Indianapolis Colts might look for uh, someone that's going to be better than J- Jacoby Brissett, uh, although he had a decent year. The Washington Redskins might decide to bring someone in of experience to park, uh, you know, Dwayne yeah, Haskins, Haskins in behind. The yeah, Panthers might go get someone, and if they're going to move on from Cam Newton, do the Panthers go and get Philip Rivers? You know, that's not far enough from his new Florida home or wherever it is that he's going to be living. There's lots of things could go on there. I think it's going to be fascinating. I'll tell you what, when we get together in two weeks' time, I think the situation will be a little bit clearer because yeah. uh, it only takes one to move and then you might start seeing everything else going off that. Yeah. Um, also, other thing to talk about, we don't know all the games yet, but we do know that Jacksonville Jaguars will come and play two games in London weekend after weekend. What's your initial thoughts on that one, Paul? Uh, yeah. Disappointment, I think, would be the would be the initial thing. I think this is the problem that y- you get used to seeing the Jags too often, and for the fans like us who don't support the Jags, you just want to go down and see a game. It's kind of uh, Jags, meh. There's nothing you know dreadfully exciting about it. I mean, it looks like Atlanta will play Denver, which is a, a typical AFC NFC. You know, absolutely no connection between the two teams. Now, again, and funny, I was I was at lunch with an NFL friend of mine today talking about this. We cannot be too fussy about the games that they send. We can't be too picky. We can't turn our nose up at them. But you just want to see. You know, I like you know I liked Tampa Carolina because it was into you know it was a divisional game, and I'd like to see just a few more of them coming over. We saw that. Um, with Houston as well this year. It just adds a little bit more. You know, Atlanta, Denver, 
there's there's no history in the fixture between them. You know, they, they don't cross paths that often, so there's not much. It was a bit like seeing Minnesota in Pittsburgh. You saw two great, you know, or two teams who were actually honking at the time, but, you know, with reputations, but there wasn't much between them in terms of, you know, it, you're, we're yeah. never going to get a Saints... Uh, Falcons game. You're never going to get a New York against Washington game. I understand that, but it'd be just nice to get the odd game with a, with an edge somewhere. And the, the the Jags don't overly excite me, um, but we'll see what we'll see what happens. Yeah, interesting. I think this is a further push of them testing what works and what doesn't. Um, it is interesting. The, it depends on what teams come over. If it's two divisional games, which I doubt it will be, but if it was two divisional games, it could be interesting in that sense. At least there's their games with something on the line. If they're done early enough in the season as, season as well, then it definitely becomes interesting because all teams are still very much in it. If the games tend to fall into the sort of November period, then already the Jags season could be done. It, you know, there's lots of questions coming there. They go with Doug Marone again, so it's not even like there's a new head coach to get excited about. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, Falcons, Broncos, for me, opportunity to see two teams I've never seen before. Opportunity to see Julio Jones, great. Seeing Matt Ryan, that's pretty good. Out the Broncos, yeah, fair enough. There's a couple of players there that are of interest. There's no absolute superstars. You're like, oh, I really want to see that guy play. Um, uh, depends if Von Miller's still there, I guess. He may move on. But, yeah, time will tell. Um, when, the, when the actual schedule gets released, we'll talk about it in a little bit more detail. But I'm not dead against it. I've seen the Jags a few times. I've seen some good games with the Jags, and I've seen some bad games with the Jags. So it just depends on how good Jacksonville are going to be next season. It's just great that we're getting games and we'll get the well, chance to, to go and have a look at them. And, and who knows, we might even get a, a wee game in the USA this year. Yes, fingers crossed. Um, and that's it. That's the thing. We're getting the games. So I'm never going to complain about the games. But there's definitely some games I'm more excited about than others. So it's not a negative thing. It's just a very honest thing. But yeah. Right, anything else before we wrap in for wrap up for this episode? No, I just think it's been a really good good season. It was good to have such a good Super Bowl that left everybody on a high. There's a lot of good storylines developing and and that gives us a reason to, you know, to keep the NFL Scotland podcast going through the alleged closed season, but there's just so much for us to talk about and I'm looking forward to you know, we're lining up a few guests to come and chat to us on the podcast. So good times ahead. Indeed, indeed. But that then concludes every Everything for episode 88. It's a full-time whistle. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please share your thoughts on this episode and on our awards by getting in touch on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. We appreciate every retweet and share. We continue to grow, which is what we want to do. Keep sharing. Keep helping us to grow. And if you've got time, please leave us a review on iTunes. Absolutely. So we're hitting our off-season schedule, as we've talked about there. But we'll be back at the end of February, early March, as we start to look ahead to free agency and the 2020 draft. As I teased you, we've got some exciting interviews lined up. So as soon as we've got them done, we'll share them with you. Thank you for listening. Genuinely, thank you for taking the time to share your thoughts. Enjoy the XFL on the ESPN player. And until next time. Bye for now.